Uh, let me ask you this question. Do you, ever, do you ever find yourself wishing for things? You just wish you had something that you don't have, right? I wonder what it would be like if I had fill in the blank. Uh, for some, it would be um, wealth, right? Uh, what if I never had to worry about money again? Uh, I could do anything, buy anything I ever wanted all the time, and wouldn't that be great? I wish that was true. For some, it would be, uh, I, I just wish that people that I love would, uh, would be healed and uh, would find some peace in their life. And there are people who just long for a better marriage and think, if my spouse could just get straightened out, <laughs> life would finally be great. You ever wish things were different? Here's something to contemplate. Um, what would it be like if all of those wishes came true? Some of you are saying, I'd like to try that out, wouldn't you? I'd like to try that out. You had money and you had recognition, you had influence and uh, a, a loving spouse that worshiped the ground you walked on. You had perfect kids. You were on top of the world vocationally, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Everything was going your way. Can you imagine what it would be like if all of your dreams did come true? And yet, it wasn't enough. There's still something that, there's still, still something missing. I can't really put my finger on it, I can't define it, but uh, you know there's something that is lacking in your life. Now, here's a scary thought. I have everything I could ever hope for, and it still doesn't satisfy. Now what? <laughs> you see, we're in a series of messages called The Power of the Cross, this, uh, this series is to help us understand what Christ does in our lives because of what He accomplished at the cross. We've looked at these things, and we're going to look at them, and uh, He's put to death the old us. Thank goodness the old us is dead, and He's delivered us from sin, and He's given us a new identity. He's changed us from a dead sinner to this fully alive saint. He set us free. There's no more condemnation. Eternally secured us in His love and grace and empowered us for day-to-day -day victorious living. Let me ask you, isn't it amazing what Christ has done for us at the cross? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's all good. But why... Why isn't he giving me? You fill in the blank. Why is life so stressful and why isn't he taking better care of me? And why doesn't he make it so less fearful? And why am I so bound up? Today we're looking at this uh, idea of freedom that Christ brings into our lives because of His death on the cross. And uh, 
Well, here's a thought. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, He has set you free today. You're free. (laughs) If you're a believer in Christ, you are free. It doesn't matter if you feel free. It doesn't matter if you act free. It doesn't matter if you are even living free, amen? You are free. That doesn't change the fact that you are 100% completely set free because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Look at what it says in Galatians 5, the first verse. It was for freedom that Christ set us free, past tense. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. I don't know, if you, if you sit down and you just read the book of Galatians from uh, beginning to end, you're going to see and sense this frustration of the Apostle Paul coming forth from the passage, from the book. He's frustrated because he's writing to these Galatians and they've been given everything in Christ. And yet they're still, they're still trying to find some meaning and some significance and some happiness here. He says, you're free, Galatians. The, the, the blood of Jesus Christ has set you completely free. That's why he came, and yet you're choosing. You're choosing as a free person to continue to live like a slave to the world system. You think that if you can live by the world system and be an achiever in the world system, that you're going to be happy. It's like Galatians, you've made Jesus just this part of your life, the slice of the pie, if you will. Oh, you, you want Jesus in your life. You're a believer in Christ, but you're, you're also wanting so much more. Dan Stone, uh, writing the book, The Rest of the Gospel, which is being taught in this, uh, this session in a class here at Grace, he writes this in that book. He says, see if you agree with this, good people, believers in Christ are just too busy today. Does anybody believe that? Just too busy. He says, yes, I love the Lord, but I'm just too busy. And so he talks about preachers. He says, so we teachers come along with a slice of religious pie and people are looking for a slice they can handle to wedge it into an already busy life. He says, I was always glad to have people come to conferences where I spoke. However, I knew that if they were there just looking for another wedge of pie that might make life a little happier, a little easier, a little stressful, a little less stressful, then they were missing the point. Jesus isn't offering you another slice of pie. Jesus doesn't have another band-aid to patch you up. He really doesn't. I'm not talking to people about religion. I'm talking about life. And I'm not talking about adding a new piece of pie called Christ in you, the hope of glory, into your already busy lifestyle. I'm talking about a new lifestyle. Not another piece of an already busy life, but something so dramatic that it might call for some of us to completely reorient our lives. Aren't you glad that you don't come to Sunday church and sing the songs and listen to me just for a little bit of a boost to make you through the next week, right? Aren't you glad that doesn't happen? Right? 
Because like he says, if that's you, you're missing the point. That's not what this is all about. Here's the bottom line. You either live from the outside in or the inside out. You either live from the outside in or the inside out. And if, to be, if we're all really honest with one another, we all wrestle with this a bit. How many of you want things to happen in this world, in your life? You want certain things for your kids. You want certain things for your vocation. You want certain things for your influence in ministry. And uh, we wrestle with this, some more than others. And see, living outside in is, 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 it means that we're finding our peace, our joy, and what happens around us. If bad things are happening, we're discouraged. And if everyone is acting around us, uh, if everyone around us is acting really, really good, that's a good day. Amen. <laughs> If you have some fun events planned for today, well, this is, I'm happy today. My peace, my contentment, the entire temperature of my life is based on the externals around me, the relationships, the events. Oh, and of course, God is responsible to make all this work out. As Dan Stone said, we're missing the point. Jesus Jesus has come to set you free from outside-in living. I've been thinking about this all week, preparing for this message, and all week long I've been contemplating this little verse in in Philippians, and... uh, I've heard this verse forever. I've even preached it so many times, and it's, I've been driving down the road. I've been in my office. I've just been thinking, what does this really mean? Philippians 1.21, here it is. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ. And to die is gain. What does it mean? Life is Christ. That's it. My complete, total source. Jesus is my life eating breakfast, right? (laughs) Jesus is life driving down the road, and He's in every conversation, in my life, in my ministry, in my family. He is my hope. He is my love and my victory and my complete and sufficient source for everything. I've been contemplating this. When, when I get this, when we get this verse, it just roots in us. You know what you are when that happens? Free. You're free. Free from finding meaning and significance and happiness other places. Detached, severed from all these worldly hopes and dreams that could never ultimately satisfy
I like this paragraph from Dan Stone's book. He says, Jesus lived his earthly life as a detached person. Not detached from loving people, but detached from the world. He wanted only to do the will of the Father. There wasn't anything in the external realm around him that would enhance his identity. That's what I mean by detached. Jesus could operate in this world with complete freedom because there wasn't anything in this world that he wanted to possess more than he wanted to be possessed by his Father. He writes this, this may be happening in you. Where it isn't, you're in turmoil because God is going to try and pry your fingers loose from what you're holding on to. Whatever thing or person or ambition you're still holding on to, you're in turmoil over or you will be. You don't have peace in that area yet because there's still something outside of you you're looking to for validity. You see, inside out, well, people that live from the inside out, they draw life from Christ who lives in them, and they're daily cultivating this connection to His Spirit, looking to Him for peace, not for others, looking to Him for acceptance and love, not to others, looking inside to the life of Christ for the consistency and the constancy of joy. The opposite, outside-in people, they're, they're always, they're, they're dependent on how they're being treated today, and uh, they're dependent on the circumstances and uh, even their own successes and failures. They're always looking and evaluating their behavior. Uh, did I do good today? Did I do bad today? Am I a success? Am I a, am I a failure? I'm on this roller coaster from pride to shame. And it's bondage, it's slavery. And Paul in Galatians, he keeps going over and over, don't you understand? In Christ, you are free from all of that. Don't go back and subject yourself again. It makes no sense for free people to live as though they're not. You may think, well, what, am I an inside-out person or am I an outside-in person? And... Uh, I think, as I thought about that, I think uh, one of the things that you can do is analyze how you pray. First of all, do you pray? <laughs> if you pray like this, if you pray, Lord, change everybody around me. <laughs> Lord, I need you to do this and this and this and this. In other words, I need you to change this and this and this outside of me in order for me to be happy. You're probably an outside-in person. If your prayers are full of praise and your prayers are full of worship and your prayers are full of magnifying the glory of God in your life and, and, and when you intercede, it's because God has laid this burden on you for somebody and God has said, I want you to join me in praying to me for this person or for this situation. I want you to carry this. And so you put yourself into this and you pray and you intercede. You pray for others because of what God has called you to do, not for any kind of personal benefit. 
You know, I think uh, one of the things that we, as inside-out people, where we start is this whole idea of grace. This whole idea of grace, this lavish gift of God that is rooted in the life of Jesus Christ. And because of what He's done for us, we have been liberated from this guilt in regard to sin. We are completely innocent and... Uh, there's no coming punishment, there's no coming condemnation, there's uh, no more spiritual standards to try and achieve that there is this rest and settledness because of the grace of Jesus Christ. Look at Romans 8, the first, chap the, Romans 8, the first verse, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Here's a point. God holds nothing against you, ever. Can you get your mind around that today? God holds nothing against you. Let me ask you, how many of you hold something against you? <laughs> how many of you are quick self-condemners? If you are a believer in Christ, nothing you have ever done or will ever do will be held against you by God. Does that mean I can go out and, and sin and it's all forgiven? Does it? Well, actually it does. It is forgiven, but why would you want to? There's always consequence to sin. Even though you're, there's this freedom and this forgiveness that is complete, there's lavished grace upon you, why in the world would you want to violate that? Does it mean that I'm released from the threat of God's wrath? Well, yes, it does. Understanding that, embodying that in our life is this, whoa, no more standards, no more pressure. Let's try to get our minds around this no condemnation thing. It's, it's, it's very difficult. It's, it's kind of wrong, isn't it? Doesn't it feel wrong <laughs> that there wouldn't be any condemnation? In other words, it's just not fair. There should be a price to be paid. Don't you think that people who do bad ought to be punished? <laughs> Parents say, yes. Let me ask you this, don't you think when you do bad, it would be better for you if you just get a little punishment? Wouldn't you feel better about it? To be not condemned, well, it's, it, it, it is a legal term. It means to be free from penalty. It means there's no charges against you. Anyone in Christ is not under any condemnation from God because of Christ and His, what He's done. It's amazing, this thing called grace. It, it, it's, it's a, Jesus says, I find no fault in you. He can't find one thing in your life to punish you for because Jesus has cleaned your slate at the cross. And uh, do we get our minds around how free we are? And do we like being free? Huh. You see, some Christians, you've met them, you've probably crossed paths with them in other churches, okay? But some Christians are plain scared to death to live in a system of grace that completely sets people free from any kind of punishment or 
shaking of the finger for sin. We just, we don't want other people living free from the fear of punishment. Oh, no, they, they need to have a little bit of stress in their life that if they step out of line, boom, the hammer's going to drop. What kind of world would that be? Everybody free? We just can't have it, can we? Here's the thing. You don't begin to understand what it means to live and walk according to the Holy Spirit of God until you fully get that there is no condemnation for you. And you can relax. Living in the Spirit is all about being in Him and not living up to imposed and perceived standards. We've been saying this throughout this series, but the grace is a whole new system, and it doesn't look anything like the system of the world that we all grew up in, the system of behavior-oriented living, getting good marks and trying to avoid bad marks and trying to impress our parents and be happy with our parents and not receive punishment from them and making good grades in school and not bad grades and performing well on the job and not getting fired and... We're all acquainted with the world system. The system of grace is a relational system. It's this closeness. Martin Lloyd-Jones sums it up like this with this useful illustration. He says, the difference between an unbeliever sinning and a Christian sinning is the difference between a man transgressing the laws of the state and a husband who has done something he should not do in his relationship with his wife. He's not breaking the law, he's wounding the heart of his wife. That's the difference. It's no longer a legal matter, it's a matter of personal relationship and love. And the man does not cease to be the husband, law does not come into the matter at all. It is, in a sense, it is now something much worse than a legal condemnation. I would rather offend against the law of the land out, outside of me than hurt somebody whom I love. You have sinned, of course, but you have sinned against love. You may and you should feel ashamed, but you should not feel condemned. Because to do so is to put yourself back under the law. I ask you this question, how many of you would rather get a speeding ticket than hurt the heart of your spouse? Huh. I know I would. I love Cindy and I don't, I don't want to hurt her. I would much rather meet this legal requirement than own my responsibility for wounding somebody I deeply love. And so many people find it easier to cope with God on this legal level. I, I want Him to be this uh, evaluator, this behavior evaluator. Then I keep Him at a distance and it's not like I'm grieving Him breaking his heart. In so many ways, I think we have to wrestle with this. Grace doesn't seem right to us. The truth is that no matter what you do as a Christian, 
Hear me. No matter what you do as a Christian, you will not be able to coax condemnation from God. You are completely free. And the reason you're free is found in these verses following. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. God has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. So let me ask you, how much of your peace of mind and your contentment and your joy is dictated about by what happens around you. Are you an outside-in person? I, I, I know so many Christians that are so stressed and so fearful and so bored and so discouraged or so bound up because their life is backwards. They're, they're, they're free in Him, but they've chosen to live under this yoke of the slavery to the world and what it deems is happiness. And coming to faith in Christ is believing in Him for everything, that He is sufficient in me. He is my hope and my love and my joy. And uh, the world is just going to do what it's going to do, but in here, in this place with Him, I am secure, significant, filled. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain, and I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value. Understand, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ, my Lord. And God is able to make all grace abound to me. So that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Here's one. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall what? Not want. How's that going? It was for freedom. That Christ set you free. I want you to bow your heads with me and be, as the, the team is coming for this last song, I want to ask you a few questions. First one is simple Are you enjoying your freedom in Christ? <laughs> Do you worry? Are you stressed? Are you too busy? Is Jesus your means to an end? You need Him to do things for you rather than just be with you. Is He just a slice of your life? Isn't it time to recognize how free 
you are in Him. Father, in so many ways in which uh, the church has developed in our culture today, there is there has emerged this I don't know how else to call it, Lord, but this theological compromise, I think. We've, we've come up with an Americanized uh, Christianity that huh, is, is so hard, Father, for us to get to this place where we, we just forsake everything and everything is just so secondary compared to you. We've been taught that we can have you and we can also have whatever. And Father, it's, it's difficult for us and we just, I just come to you today, Lord, because it's difficult for me sometimes to get so complete in you. There's still a hunger and a desire for other stuff. So, Father, I am praying that uh, as a church, we, we begin to understand as individuals, as families, as a, as a church family, what the freedom that you offer is in us, that there is a freedom that we can enjoy that finds all significance in you, that finds all meaning in you, that finds life in you, and we can just celebrate that. We can live in that. And you can erase the fear and you can erase the worry and you can erase the heart pull to that which is around us, Father God. We thank you for this freedom and we celebrate it. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Let's stand together.